Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. This week marks episode 45, it's hard to believe it, and I would like to thank each and every one of you um, listening to this, whether it's in the morning, evening or afternoon, no matter where you are in the world, uh, we're forever grateful for the continued support. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast. It means a huge amount to us. Just a big shout out as well again to our sponsor, GRG Sports, Inventory Harbour Asset Management Company, um, for the continued support over the past number of months. We really appreciate it, guys. It's now time to bring on this week's guest, and I'm delighted to be joined by nutritionist John O'Connor. John set up Target Nutrition last year with the hope of helping people and teams on their fitness journey. While in Australia, O'Connor immersed himself in a high-performance environment of Geelong Cats, an experience he has been extremely grateful for and has been able to pass on learnings he has taken from that to clients and teams he works with on a daily basis. John has a wealth of knowledge in the areas of exercise, nutrition, sleep, to name but a few. He is currently working with Kerry Senior Hurlers, the Dingle Underage and Senior Team, and he has a number of online clients as well. We've a lot to cover and I'm looking forward to, to bring John on. Hi John, welcome to the Inside View podcast. How are you keeping during these challenging times? Good, thanks be to God, yeah, no complaints. Um, yeah, I think people are getting a little bit sick of it now, but um, yeah, what can we do? It's the way it is, I suppose. And how, how are you finding it? Because, uh, um, you probably have to be kind of up, upbeat and, and optimistic, you know, with clients and with teams. How are you finding it yourself personally? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm doing a good job being up, upbeat, uh, to be honest, but um, trying trying to keep the good side out. Um, but yeah, it's hard. I think everybody everybody is uh, managing it differently, I suppose, but I think all in all, we're not doing too bad of a job, really. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely testing, like, especially the long you know, winter there. Thankfully, winter's behind us now, but um, I suppose it's kind of more of a novelty back in, back in March and April last year. You know, to get a bit yeah, time out. It was, it was a long way off, and the weather was very good, and um, it was something new, I think. And uh, yeah, as you say, I suppose it still had that novelty factor, but I think it's safe to say it's fairly gone by now. <laughs> yeah, I know it has definitely, definitely. And I, um, I believe that you were you had plans in place, and you would just kind of set up uh, inside in WK Fitness there in Dingle, um, just around was it just before COVID last year. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, my, overall, my timing with this whole thing was uh, not ideal, I suppose, to put it to put it mildly. But, um, ah, yeah, look, um, I thankfully didn't have any great overheads or anything like that. Uh, there's people in far, far worse positions than I, than I am. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly not complaining. But, um, yeah, it, it's something that I do miss. All right, I used to meet uh, some clients down in West Kerry Fitness face-to-face, um, and I obviously much, I much prefer that to the Zoom. Um, it's just much easier, I suppose. It's it's easier to gauge reactions. It's more natural conversation, I suppose. Um, you get to know the client a little bit better. Um, but look, um, it's looking like it's going to be this way for another while anyway. So um, we may as well get used to it rather than complain about it. Before, would you say it's kind of difficult? Um, you know, like you kind of just touching it there to make that personal interaction or that that personal connection with clients over Zoom because we say in person, um, you know. If they're not reaching their goals, they might open up. Why, when it's face to face as opposed to over Zoom, they might find that a bit difficult. 
yeah, definitely. That's definitely something I'd notice. Um, as I say, it's just much more natural, I think. Um, it's much more natural, I think, face-to-face. You can kind of gauge the client's reaction to things a little bit easier. Um, even their body language is easier to, to, to judge, um, um, obviously, in person. Um, like even some people there, when you meet them face-to-face, they come in and their legs are shaking, they're all tense, and you know, by the end of it, then they'd nearly be reclining in the chair, they've gotten far more comfortable and stuff. So it's it's more difficult, I think, to, to gauge how uh, a consultation or a conversation went with somebody after a Zoom call than it would be, I think, face-to-face. Um, it's easier to know in your own mind how it went um, and so on. So, yeah, different, but look, um, it's the best we can do at the moment. So as I say, uh, we just have to drive on with it now. This is probably um, a rhetorical question. I'm probably going to answer in this when I ask it, but just to, to get your, your insight. You know, food is obviously definitely is massively important for people and, and how they feel. Um, it's probably even more important during stressful times like the COVID pandemic. Um, have you found that, you know, with your clients that they're kind of going down, you know, they might stick to a plan for a week or two, but then they might forget it and it's hard to... You know, they're finding it hard to stick to the plan over a couple of weeks. Yeah, 100%. I think um, the main reason why it's or whatever you want to call it, I think it's because people are probably overly restrictive on themselves. Um, they are all in and they go too restrictive. Um, it's not sustainable, I think, long term. Um, so they eat something that they think is bad and... Um, they fall off the wagon, I suppose. Um, they're overly harsh on themselves. Um, they're overly guilty. And then the vicious uh, cycle happens all over again, I think. Um, they try the next diet that's overly restrictive, and the same thing happens over and over again. So um, something that I always always um, try to push with clients is, and I think especially at the moment, like you said there, um, I think we all have enough stress. We're all under enough stress, I think, at the moment. So... Uh, stressing about our food and, and stuff like that is is uh, definitely not helping anyone at the moment. So I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's time to be a little bit easier on ourselves. I think these these times um, and, and additional stress isn't going to do anybody any good, I think, these these times. so Plus, I think diets and, and, and our long-term diets don't need to be that restrictive in order for us to see results. Um, I don't believe any foods need to be completely cut from the diet. I think it's all about moderation. So um yeah i think it's just people finding that that healthy balance uh knowing when when to and when not to and uh when they can and when they maybe shouldn't um and, and just developing i think a better relationship with food um overall is, is is definitely the way to go i think and the you know i suppose we'll touch on this soon but just to before we delve into it the power of marketing the power of social media you know, everyone's probably looking for that quick fix, um, which is, you know, is, is definitely not there. Would you be of the opinion that, you know, nutrition and, you know, yeah, nutrition and uh, people living a healthy life is more of a lifestyle change rather than a quick fix? Absolutely, 100%. Um, and I think long-term sustainability is the key, I think. Um, anybody can do something for, for a couple of days. Um but are you going to be able to do it forever? You know, I think that's the question. So it really is a life a lifestyle change, like you say. Um, it's about building healthy habits um, and just getting healthier overall. I think, as opposed to strictly your food, I think it all ties in together. Your your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition. 
um, your mental health and mindset as well is obviously a very, very important factor. One thing that uh, I found very interesting, I know I've, I've spoken to a lot of times about it, um, but I actually never realised how much uh, research and, you know, say, yeah, how much research you have done into nutrition and and sleep. Um, I just thought you, you did a master's, but geez, you have a lot, you have a lot of string to your bows, in fairness. How... Yeah. Do you want to give us kind of um, a 40 second pitch, as I call it, the 40 second uh, elevator pitch about just your background and then we'll, we'll delve into it? Yeah, so I think I suppose what you're referring to there, I think, is the, the kind of top up courses and stuff that I did and, and the certifications and stuff like that. Um, so the reason or the, the reason really that I have them is because um, so I, initially I started, I did sports science in UL. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, loved it for your course um, really enjoyed my time there but it's it's a really broad course sports science so I think it's kind of a given well not not a given but a lot of people that, that, that graduate from sports science tend to specialize then so they go on to do masters or postgraduate in um, uh, one of the areas of sports science so that could be sports psychology strength conditioning is a very popular one now nutrition um, some people even go down physiotherapy road um, so I wasn't necessarily sure which way I wanted to go, that I was interested in loads of aspects of sports science, um, still very interested in strength and conditioning um, and, and other various aspects of sports science. But I think nutrition um, was the one that suited me the best. I love food, always have. Um, and I think uh, it was just a good fit. Um, food and, and, and sports performance um, were things that I was very, very interested in. So I said I'd, I'd go down that road. Where, and that's where I came across the master's in the University of Chester in exercise and nutrition science. Um, and it was an 18 month course or two year course part time. So it suited me fine. I was able to work away um, and I kind of balanced the books that way. I was able to kind of pay my way through it while still working. So from a time perspective and financial perspective, it suited me great. Um, so I was living in Dingle um, and I was able to, to, to be doing that. So then when I, when I graduated from that, I, um, was in with the Kerry Hurlers doing a bit actually while I was while I was studying. So it was great. I was able to get a little bit of hands-on experience while while doing my studies as well. So um, that was very good. Um, and then I graduated from that. Except my girlfriend decided to go head for Australia. Um, and unfortunately, it was very tough to get work in nutrition over in Australia when you only have a one-year uh, visa. They kind of aren't overly interested in you when you're out the gap so fast. Um, so I had to hit the sights, I had to get the hard hat out. Um, so I suppose you're laughing there. You don't think I, you don't think I'm cut out for it all. <laughs> I wouldn't be anyway. <laughs> my hand up straight away for that. <laughs> yeah, you were probably right as well. I wasn't, but um, I was kind of concerned that I'd, I suppose, fall out of 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 nutrition and stuff like that. So, um, I said that I'd, I'd, I'd keep myself busy and keep myself occupied and, and do some of them top of courses while I was over there just to keep my, I suppose, my mind sharp and um, just to keep up to date, I suppose, um, with, with, with um, research courses, uh, took any kind of CPD opportunities that I could. Um, so all those ones that you're looking at there, the, the, the one on sleep and UK anti-doping and all them, they were all done when I was in Australia just to kind of, Again, just to keep my mind uh, up to date and, and keep my mind fresh with um, good good resources, I suppose. 
Yeah, that um, the reason I'm smiling there is because, like, you know, you could have, I suppose, fell off when I said bandwagon, you could have fell off and just went down that route straight away, you know, getting money every at the end of every week. And, you know, you have, you'd have a you have a degree, you have a master's, you know, you could have went the other way all of a yeah. sudden if you wanted to yeah. do it. But uh, fair play to you for, um, you know, for doing those top of courses because that probably wasn't easy to do when you're gone away for a year you know, on holiday, as such, you know. Yeah, 100%. It um, took a little bit of discipline, all right. Um, it's tough, all right, when you come home. A lot of even is the last thing you wanted to face was was lectures or, or slides or um, information videos or, or whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely glad that I did know, and uh, I think they were they're, they stood to me. So, um, yeah, happy days. I'm, I'm delighted I did do them. Yeah, because I even noticed myself you can fall out of that um lifestyle when I say lifestyle you can you can fall out of with say up to date research very quickly like if you don't keep reading things and if you're not in college or if you're, if you don't have you know exams to do it's very easy not to be reading hundred percent yeah definitely and um, um, yeah. just something I, I don't know that I hear it before um or was it on somewhere else but do you contemplate about going down the route of psychology was that ever um an avenue for you yeah 100% um i was very much very much contemplating going down that road it was it, it, it's still an area that really interests me um and i'm actually in the, in the process of doing a, a course at the moment on behavior change as well so um yeah it's really interesting stuff and um about how all our personalities are different and stuff i actually did my undergraduate thesis on sports psychology as well um and how mental imagery differs between elite and, and non-elite um, players. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting, all right, and, and it's definitely something that I was interested in. But um, at the time, jobs were probably difficult. Um, so long-term finance was, was probably um, a huge concern. Um, and as to, uh, not a lot of teams were taking on sports psychologists. I still believe that it will be a very, very big area, I think, um, I think it's kind of the next. Uh, it's. I think it's the, the next um, string that every team is going to have to their bow. I think um, it mightn't be in the next year or two, but definitely in the next five to ten years. I think we'll see um, every intercounty team with with, with a, a, a sports psychologist, and then the next step then is club teams. So that might be another another while down the line. But I think um, I think it's definitely an area that's gonna that's gonna uh, blow up. I think at some stage. Right. You have um, the fact you I suppose you've the nutrition arm of it done and you've researched and you've done, have experience in it. You know, if you went down the psychology route, you'd have another string to your bow and you'd be more employable to these intercounty teams. So instead of applying two people, they're applying one person. Um, so that's definitely a, a big. Uh, you know, I suppose the, every intercounty team now is is trying to get that. You know, that extra one percent. Um, and definitely, I say psychologist or sports psychologist is definitely the way to go. One thing I, um, yeah, one thing I suppose looking back, and everyone can probably relate to this in some in some way. Um, you know, the teenage years are definitely very challenging, and especially you know before you go to college, you're trying to figure out what the hell do you want to do. Um, looking back in that time, did you feel uncertain and confused as to what route you wanted to do, want to go down, or did you always want to do uh, something in sport? Um, I kind of always knew I wanted to do, to do something in sport. Um, even going back now, I was lucky 
it's probably the route I take again, you know. So um, um, the same can't be said for a lot of people. Um, and it's a very, very tough decision, I think, as you say, to make at that age. Um, and you can't really hold it against anybody for making the wrong choice when they're so young. Um, so look, I'm I, again, I'm very, very lucky that, that uh, things worked out for me and that um, yeah, I have no regrets in that regard. Um, but yeah, as you say, the teenage years, I, I, I always knew I wanted to do sports science really or, or, or something in sport. It always interested me. Um, probably uh, my parents probably weren't the happiest at the time when I told them I was going away doing sports science and you will. Um, I think it was kind of associated with high dropout rates and uh, low job percentages and, and all this. So um, they were nicely, I'd say, kind of trying to shepherd me in a different direction, but uh, not too much in fairness. They, uh, they, they, they were happy out for a finish. They were just happy, I suppose, that I was furthering my education. So, um, yeah, as I say, no regrets. Just on that, um, yeah, actually, before we go on to that, if you... I love I love doing this now as well with myself. You know, if I was putting myself back into the position, you know, we're saying those teenage years, um, and knowing what you know now about food and and the importance of sleep, what advice would you give give yourself? Like, do you think you applied yourself well in college, or did that kind of develop through the years when you became more knowledgeable in the area of of food at the time and nutrition? Um. I'd be lying, I think, if I said that I couldn't have applied myself a little bit better in college, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an important aspect of college, too, is to, to enjoy the whole, I think, college experience. Um, and thankfully, I, I got through it. Um, so, um, but I suppose, like you said there, I think you, you, you mentioned it there, even in your question, what would I tell myself? Now, I suppose, or then knowing what, kind of what I know now is definitely the sleep definitely the sleep one it's something that I underestimated myself probably right up until I did my my thesis or my my or what you call my research paper on um sleep for my thesis for my master's um and even right up until then it's something that I kind of didn't really prioritize I probably would have been happy with six hours a night or whatever you know um probably I would have been up late um and might have been up early then um but that's definitely something that I would tell my younger self to prioritize uh, 100% and it's something that I've gotten much better at um, and, and, and I'm definitely haven't taken for granted anymore. That's something I'll actually delve into now in further detail um, soon. But just on that, the, the thesis you did, was say, for um, in your undergrad, um, the mental imaging, was that to do with uh, GA or was it to do with sport in, in general between professional and, and amateur athletes? Sport in general. So um, it was basically a series of questionnaires and, and imagery tests that we gave to the to the PES department. Um, so obviously the, the PE and sports science department in UL would have lots of, of athletes from, from various backgrounds. Um, the majority of students studying PE um, and sports science in UL um, obviously play sport themselves. So it was a mixed, it was um, very much mixed. Um, so they were, they were categorized into elite or, or sub-elite. Um, and for example, it'd be intercounty or, or club, we'll say. Um, and sure enough, the the elite um, outperformed the, the sub elite for for the in, in the aspects of imagery tests. Um, so yeah, kind of got the results that we were expecting. But um, yeah, it was it was an interesting. It was definitely um, an interesting um, research paper, and um, very happy with how it went overall. To be honest. 
And when you say, sorry, I know for asking so much questions about this, but uh, wait, you know, when you say right. Im- imagery, like, is that like, say, visualizing the next um, the next type of plays that are going to be down the line? Or does that tie into visualization yeah. or, or what, what, what exactly is imagery? Yeah, so there was that as well. And there was another, there was a few tests. So one was a, a mental rotations test where you're given, you're shown a shape uh, at, at, the, at the start. So you're given uh, a 3D shape and then you're given three, a, three ant, our, um, options to answer where it's rotated in different positions. So one is correct. So you have to rotate the image uh, in your head um, and pick the one which is correct, if that makes sense. Um, so the elite were much, much better than, than that at the sub-elite and funnily uh, males outscored females as well. So... Um, yeah, there was there was a couple of interesting interesting results. I must give it a read again to tell you the truth. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for uh, catching the half. We did everything. It's a long time ago now. It's a long time ago now. Um, just yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's actually interesting. Um, I wonder, you know, I wonder why would that be? Would that would that be because they're, you know, they're more strict in time management or organization because they're training every day. Would it be because they're yeah? Would it be because they're exercising every day, or did you did it get to that stage? Knowing, yeah, I think uh, to be honest, I would say that um, probably it's it's hereditary, it's genetic, it's natural. You know, some people are better better at, at, at things that, and it's just I think it's just one more aspect as to why they're elite um, and mm. not sub elite. You know. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. That's uh, that's definitely that was definitely an interesting um, uh, undergraduate thesis, and really gave you an appetite, I suppose, to you know to look into that area a bit more. So we spoke about off air, um, and you you touched on already. You did a bit of work with Kerry on the twenty ones um, when you were doing your post grad, but you're in with the seniors now. Um, would say with the twenty ones at the time, in what capacity were you working with them? Were you just kind of shadowing? Um, coaches that were there, nutritionists that were there already, or, or were you getting your hands dirty as such? Yeah, I was kind of getting my hands dirty to tell you the truth. I was actually with the senior hurlers as well, um, the seniors and the other 21s while I was, while I was uh, doing my master's that time. So um, again, it was just great to be directly applying um, the paper to, to the books to the, to the real world, I suppose, and, and um, trying to apply some of the stuff that you're learning in college. Um, and doing your assignments on to, to real life settings and stuff, I suppose. So it was a great opportunity to do that. Um, and thankfully, I'm back back with them again this year. So, um, and again, it's it's all through Zoom and it's all through text. Um, so I'm very much looking forward, I suppose, to getting to meet lads face to face. A lot of some of the guys are, are new to the panel, and I wouldn't have met them um, before. So, yeah, it's just. I think that's the, the the part of it I enjoy the most. I suppose is is being around uh, the 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 whole setup. I think um, working as part of a team. I think I prefer that working with a backroom team um, compared to to I suppose working on my own. I, I still enjoy it one hundred percent. Don't get me wrong, but um, I do get a good buzz out of working with uh, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, managers, selectors, um, and so on, and, and obviously then players one to one. Um, so very much kind of looking forward to getting back to the field and, and getting my hands dirty again, I suppose. In just to something again to mind, no, you know, I suppose, yeah, in nutrition and in I suppose, strength and conditioning, um, but just to say in, for your role, 
I'd say having the ability to read people and read people quickly is is um is very important. Is it would all kind of nutritionists have and performance nutritionists have that? Or you know, would, would like do you think you have the ability to read people quickly if they're if they're not um if they're not performing well and even if they're telling you everything is all right? Would that come with age? Um, it probably comes with age, I think, but I think it's it's definitely something that's very important. Um, and it's you're off to you're off to a great start if you have that if you have that about your your personality. I think you can you could know all the science, um, you can know all the the research, you could know it all. But if you can't get on well with fellas, I suppose work as part of the team, and um, I suppose have that bit of banter with the lads as well. I suppose and build that trust, then. Um, then all that information and knowledge is no good to you really unless I suppose that you can apply it and um, being able to get on with people and knowing how to treat different people I suppose is, is uh, definitely an invaluable string I'd say that you could have in your boat you know um, and look it's something I suppose that that that's probably improves uh, with, with time as well but it's probably something that's uh, very much natural um, some people are just better at it than others I guess you know um, but yeah, very, very, very useful. If you, if you do, if you yeah, have I, I say that probably as well. If if you don't have it, it, it probably comes with age, and if it don't, you probably get filtered out fairly quickly. Um, in those high performance, um, situations or, or teams, when you did your 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 masters with the uh, University of Chester, um. It was obviously done online. How challenging did you find it? Because before you were probably going into class, you know, in UL all the time. Yeah. Um, well, it was, to be honest, it was mostly online. So um, I actually had to go to Dublin um, every, I think it was about every seven to eight weeks, I think. And you'd basically do a full module over a weekend in a block. So it'd be fairly intensive for, for the weekend. It'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it'd be kind of, I think, nine to four um, every day. So you you get through an entire module that weekend. You're you're given um, you're given all your resources, all your 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 papers, um, all your readings, um, and it's up to you then to get that done before your assignment. Um, so look, the structure of it suited me perfectly. Um, I thought it worked. I thought it worked very very well. Um, as I say, I was able to kind of work a job around it as well. So. Um, Financially and everything, it just suited me down to the ground. So I was, I was delighted really with how it went. Uh, one thing you didn't mention there, Ron, um, when you were over in Australia, uh, you, you know, you said you didn't get a job. You, you were on the sites and you, you, you kept your level of of um, knowledge, you know, up to date in different areas. You also got a bit of um, intern experience. I did, yeah, I did. I was very lucky. All right, that. Uh, I have a connection um, over there. Um, obviously, Marcus was um, the Geelong Cats, and um, I got to meet their their um, performance dietitian, um, Dr. Dam Kando, who's um, unreal, um, a top top class practitioner. So um, she was very very good to me. She she um, she allowed me to come in, um, do some shadowing, um, and I really got a, a taste of how things work. I suppose at that level. Um and yeah, it was it was unreal unreal experience. Um so yeah, very very lucky to have gotten that opportunity too. Um the boys always give me a stick that I followed him over. I was like a Johnny Drama, a, a fan um trying to ride the coattails. But uh 
Yeah, look, you've got to do what you've got to do, I think. Exactly, yeah. Make the most, make the most of, of what you can. And do, like that, to be honest, that experience, um, you know, must have, you know, while it does look very, very good, I think it definitely would have opened your mind to a lot of things, you know, when you immerse yourself in a high-performance unit like that for, you know, for a certain period of time, it can only have a benefit and, and a positive effect on you. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, it's something that I'm very, very grateful for, obviously. And I think, again, it's something that has stood to me going forward as well. So, um, yeah, it's a great uh, great connection for me to have made, I suppose. Um, and I've been in contact with Dom a bit since and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's just, um, again, something that I've been very, very lucky with. Um, you so the nutrition and, and the work you do at the moment is with um is with the GA community, whether hurling or or, or Gaelic football. Um would you be open to going to other sports or have you went into other sports? Like have you immersed yourself in, in rugby or soccer um at any stage? Or would that be something you'd like to do? Um yeah, definitely at some stage. Um something that's um that I've been reading a bit about lately and stuff is is uh, combat sports and nutrition for combat sports. So, uh, making weight, making weight safely um, and effectively and stuff like that. Um, that's something that I'd, um, I think I'd be very very interested in and something I've been reading a little bit more about lately and stuff. Um, so if I was to pick a sport, I suppose it'd probably be I don't know MMA or one of them things to to or boxing. Um, it'd be nice to get involved in, in something like that. Um, and it's kind of something different to, to your field sports. Um, but yeah, look, we'll see. Um, it's something that I've gotten into a little bit lately, even just here on a kind of a local level is um, with with our underage teams here in Dingle and stuff as well and, and working with youth players and stuff as well. It's something that I, I, um, I'm getting a good old buzz out of there, there lately. So um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's so many, I think that's the beauty of it, I suppose, with, with nutrition. There's uh, a lot of different avenues and, Nutrition is important for for absolutely everyone, um, everyone that, that's living. So, um, yeah, it's it's um, there's a lot of ways you can go, and um, I'm just very much enjoying where I'm at at the moment. To be totally honest, so we'll uh, we'll we'll keep going this direction for now anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, just the reason I asked is because I I had um, Will Fleury on the podcast an MMA fighter a couple of weeks ago, and he he was uh, he was working with. He was finding it hard to make weight um, a number of times, and he was working with uh, Tristan. I think Tristan Kennedy. I think he's McGregor's nutritionist, or yeah, yeah. Man. And he said like just him, like work with him, just makes a huge difference. Like it's the little one percent, you know, making weight, and sometimes your body could be, you know, a body could be stressed, and it's not breaking yeah. down the food. I just found it very interesting stuff. You ne- you never really kind of think about, um, and even boxers like. To, you know the way cutting they put themselves through is is crazy yeah and i suppose more so than anything i suppose it probably gives a fighter peace of mind that he's he's done things right and he's done things uh safely and i suppose that he's going to be in the best um he's going to be able to perform the best that he possibly can be on, on fight night i suppose as well which is um i'm sure um very very important to have your mind right going into an event like that um i don't know how they do it but um yeah, it's a it's a crazy sport, yeah. but um, yeah, it's it's something that I I, I like watching. Um, and um, we see that that Tristan Kennedy did did a good job at McGregor. He got him into some nick as well. Yeah, he um, did. In fairness. So it's just getting. I think it's getting. 
um, it's it's definitely a sport where it's 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 growing and um, it's I think every fighter is going to have to employ nutritionists I think at some stage to make sure they're doing things right and doing things safe as well. Yeah, safe. I think like you just touched on it there. Safety is probably the biggest thing um, because you know you hear the the stories when things don't go right. Um, you know, in the lead up to, to fights, just something you touched on there before we 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 came down this avenue. Um, working with you. How do you find that, you know, working with the younger lads? And I suppose, you know, you're obviously working with the older lads in, in with Kerry. Do you find a big difference working with youth versus older lads? Um, because, look, naturally, I suppose, the mindset of the younger people nowadays compared to when we were when we were that age is, is probably, you know, a lot different. Not saying we're that old, like, but we're kind of yeah. between both. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, it's... I suppose it's just great to be able to give them information at that age and it's something that was probably neglected a little bit when we were that age, I suppose. Um, and even some of the things you now that, that the younger lads are getting in terms of, of strength and conditioning and programs and mobility programs and, and all these things are uh, it's just so important, I suppose, and, and so important to long-term uh, player development. Um, and it's just it's just great to be able to provide, I suppose, young lads with with correct information, I suppose, and the basics on, on how to eat well and stuff. And um, the basics really take lads a long way, I think. Um, people, I think it's something that people are like, always kind of tend to look beyond the basics a little bit. Even even senior players, they're asking you about supplements and, and this and that, but um, and, and recovery options and, and all this. But um, really, like, it's sleep, your, your nutrition, um, and, and doing the basics right will take you uh, 95% of the way, you know, and I think um, we can be a little bit guilty, I think, of, of trying to look past it and, and concentrating a little bit more on that 5% um, without, without um, nailing down our 95% first, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, and again, that feeds into what you will uh, delve into in a few minutes, but that feeds into the power of power of uh, these big companies and power of social media, because we always think we need these extra enhancements or whatever you want to you know say what they are but uh it just if you if you get the nuts and bolts right you know everything else should should fall into place so we we'll delve into the the um was it a master's you did in the university of michigan in relation in sleep or, or was it just a, an add-on course or what was it no it was just simply a, a top-up course um that's all um it was run it was run by the University of Michigan through an online learning platform, we'll say it was called, I think, e-learning or edX. I think it was one of those anyway that I did the course through, but it was the University of Michigan that provided the course, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm actually not quite sure how, how long it was in duration. It was quite long um, and intense enough, but it was it was at your own pace as well. So um, you're given the recommended hours and the recommended hours of reading and you go in and do it. Um, but yeah, again, very, very interesting, um, very informative videos and you can go at your own pace. So um, again, um, very interesting and something that I'm, I'm happy I did. <coughs> yeah, I, I, was, um, I was actually researching it there and I was, I was reading the, the course description like, and geez, it looks fairly, you know, fairly intense. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, avenues they, they look at, but obviously you have to go into yeah. detail if, even if they're looking at them. What, um, if you, I suppose, looking back at that experience, um, what takeaways would you have from it? Obviously, the importance of sleep, sleep, which you, you didn't take much notice of before. Look, I think a lot of people are guilty of that. 
you know, I think a lot of people don't um get enough sleep. You know, it's kind of they see it as secondary. You know, they do everything else and they don't do they don't you know they do everything else as resulting they're getting sick. They're on tablets, but they don't get enough sleep. So if they got enough sleep, it might outweigh the health issues they may have. Um, do you want to go and try and give us a bit of an insight into into that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's just something I see, it's something you'd see yourself even in sport and stuff. The guys will be doing ice baths and they'll have their recovery leggings and they'll have all those things and then they might go home and get five hours sleep or something. And um, it's just, I suppose it's it's just exactly what we were talking about. It's just people taking sleep a little bit for granted, I think. I think not really realising um, the benefits of, of getting your full eight hours and, and not only the benefits, but just the importance of it. Um, for your muscles to recover and I think that's kind of one of the things that I took away from from, from um, any of the research or, or uh, studies that I did on sleep is just that there isn't really a system in your in your body that it doesn't affect like that 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 uh, negative or that poor sleep doesn't impact so and especially for 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 athletes um, you're not recovering efficiently even your hunger hormones are all over the place. So you tend to overeat, which then can obviously affect body composition. Um, so it's just knock on effect after knock on effect. You're more susceptible to illness. And if you're sick, you miss training. Um, so yeah, it's just the, the knock on effects of poor sleep can be, and especially over time, I think um, we're all guilty of having a bad night here and there. And I know with the winds that were here the last couple of nights, I've been sleeping very poorly as well. So <laughs> um, sometimes it is, sometimes it is out of our control. But um, I think poor sleep consistently over time um, is definitely, definitely a bad thing. And, and it's something that you're going to want to rectify. Yeah, it, I just find it interesting that, you know, you see a lot of people, like obviously some people do get the recommended, but then you see a lot of people that say they can um, they can work off five or six hours. Do you know, would it depend on the person or do we all need a certain amount? Because we'll see the effects regardless in some way. No, I think those people, whether they realise it or not, um, they're just not performing optimally, whether they convince themselves that they are or not, um, whether they realise it or not, they're, they're, they're most certainly not performing optimally. And especially people who are active and stuff. Um, and athletes obviously need even more sleep than the um, general population who might necessarily be as exercising as intensely um, and as often as, as athletes do. Um, so just... I suppose it's the final pillar of performance for athletes, really. I mean, everyone kind of is aware to some degree, I suppose, at least I hope, of, of the importance of nutrition and exercise when it comes to performance. And sleep is definitely the one that ties it all together. Um, and, and it's gonna have, it's, it's what makes you reap the rewards of, of putting your good nutrition and, and, and your good training program into place. I suppose it's going to, I suppose, maximize adaptations and, and just ensure that you're we're getting the maximum benefits that, that you possibly can. With sleep, this is probably a stupid question because it obviously is, but sleep and nutrition are obviously linked because I suppose if you're having, you know, if you're eating junk all the time, you're probably not sleeping well. Or does it affect your your REM sleep? Or would you, would you always get into your REM sleep in a, depending on, on the person? Uh, it depends. I suppose various things when it comes to nutrition can have different impacts. So, uh, so a high GI meal, um, as your last meal before bed um, can actually decrease uh, sleep onset latency which is the time that it takes you to actually fall asleep um, so you can you can fall asleep quicker um, 
after a high GI meal, um, close enough to bed. Um, oppositely then, if you have uh, quite a large meal, um, if you have a, a large main meal right before bed, uh, you're digesting that while you're asleep um, and your, your body is continuing to, to, to process that meal. So you're going to find it difficult to sleep then. Um, if you have a large amount of fluids before uh, before bed, you're going to be up in the middle of the night going to the toilet. Um, so I suppose it's 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 important um, to to know what to have and, and when to have it. I suppose when it comes to, to eating before bed and, and, and nutrition is definitely very very closely linked to sleep as well. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I don't know is this a meat nor what because you know you, <laughs> I'm probably susceptible to to listen to these social media things, but <laughs> you can you can point it out straight away. But you know. They say you're not. Do they say or am I just making this up? But apparently you're not. You're not supposed to eat. It's like after seven or eight o'clock by right to allow you get into good sleep. Is there, is there any truth into that? Like, are you, should you not have something to eat before you hop into bed? Or should you leave? Um, like, should you leave a window? Do you get me? Like, yeah. Um. So I kind of usually recommend maybe two hours. Um. And I'd always, for most people I work with, and definitely athletes, I, I always recommend uh, a protein snack. Uh, shortly before bed um, and I suppose it, it's been associated I suppose with weight gain I think and that's why people have a, a mm -hmm. negative um, conception of it I think and our negative uh, thoughts on why, why, why not eat before bed I suppose and the reason is that um, people tend to overeat in the evenings and it's it's more to do with the calorie balance and energy balance than it is to do with um, than it is to do with the time that that the meal is being taken in. If that makes sense, so um, there's a saying there that calories can't tell the time. Um, so um, provided that that snack, that protein snack that I recommend, fits into your overall um, daily caloric intake, I suppose, um, then that's the most important thing. Um, and then the timing of it, I suppose, is then the, the, the next the next most important thing, that it's not too close to bed. And you see there, you know, I was just before the pubs closed, um, you know, you have a lot of people that be going out on Sunday evening before, before work on, on Monday, and they might be home by nine o'clock. But, you know, and they're, they're still getting their eight hours. But would I be correct in saying that those eight hours wouldn't be the same if you didn't have alcohol in your system? You won't be getting to the right sleep. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, alcohol is um hugely impacts um sleep quality. Um, and we don't get as much time in, in REM sleep as we would, um, as we would had we not consumed alcohol. Um, so I don't know if you noticed that we tend to not really dream. Um, uh, I don't know if, if if you noticed that, but um, we tend Conk. not to dream. <laughs> yeah, <Conk>. God, <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's unfortunately it's not uh, it's not a quality sleep. Um, you're not reaching that deep REM sleep that you that you really need. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you noticed this too, but um, it's certainly it's certainly the way it is for me that no matter how many hours of sleep I, I have after a night of alcohol, I'm absolutely wrecked the following day. Um, it could be eight hours, nine hours, ten hours. It doesn't matter because um, it's not a it's not a true high quality sleep that that it would be um, had you not consumed alcohol. You definitely feel more too when you're getting when you're getting older, like those prime years oh, in college or grand. Just before we move from this this topic, um, what high level recommendations would you have to to athletes and to 
your everyday person um, that might do the same level of, as exercise as athletes, just improve their sleep. Um, you know, would it be stay away from certain things before bed or, you know, what would be your recommendation? Yeah. So there's a few ones. There's a few ones that are very, very easy to implement. Um, I think, and the most common one I think that we're guilty of, and I think everybody's guilty of it to some extent, is the phone before bed, like, and, and the lights and the screens emit a light that um, messes with our, our circadian rhythm a little bit. And um, it's just not ideal before try, trying to doze off. So I suppose trying to implement um, a kind of a wind down, a kind of a wind down strategy before bed where you just make sure that your room is, is a nice temperature, um, your sheets are nice and clean, your, your curtains are fully pulled and there's no light coming into the room. Uh, maybe read a book instead of being on the phone um, and just kind of create that, that relaxing wind-down routine that will give you the best chance to, to nod off, I suppose, um, and get a good night of high-quality sleep um, would, would kind of be my, my, my basic recommendation. I think the screen is, is, is definitely um, a big one. So it's basically going back to, you know, because um, I actually found that because recently I started implementing that, you know, what you just said there, the lighting in the room and try to stay away from the phone. And I do think I'm getting into better sleep. Um, but it's kind of going back to basics, going back to what we're like when we're kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you yeah. couldn't say that to the no, yeah. younger generation, no, because they had iPods probably before they hopped into bed yeah. when they were five or six. Yeah. Yeah, um, you have some read your bedtime story, all the better. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, just moving on there, you I know you, it was an add-on course, um, the uh, disorder eating in athletes. And look, we, we won't go into too much detail, but I just find it interesting um, and quite surprised, to be honest, as well, that um, athletes would have eaten disorders. Um, obviously, they do, but I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Can you kind of give a bit of an insight in, into that? Yeah. Um, look, I suppose the reason I did that is um, just, I suppose, so that I know the signs and, and, and symptoms. If I, if there was one of the athletes that I was working with, if I was to, if I was to suspect that, that an athlete had a had an eating disorder, uh, what I'd look out for, the cues that I that are the red flags that I that I might um, keep an eye out for. Thankfully, um, I haven't worked with any athletes. Um, I suppose, given the fact that it's a field sport and I work predominantly with males, it wouldn't be as common. So I suppose eating disorders tend to be a little bit more common with in, in female with female athletes, I suppose, with such a pressure. And again, I think social media ties hugely into this as well. Um, and I suppose physique athletes then as well, um, the, the IBF and all, and all the, the, the stage and the, the fitness physique athletes as well. Um, I think it's probably a little bit common in that population as well in comparison to, to field sports and, and, and GA as well specifically. So thankfully, it's not something that I've encountered too much um, in my experience. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that is out there. Um, but it's probably more pre or prevalent in, in, in other sports and, and other areas than, than it is in, in GA, I think. You know, you, you hear like a lot of people saying about uh, calories and you just touching as well there a couple minutes ago and um, they're important, you know, for everything. Can you give, can you give kind of um, an every man's, uh, an everyday explanation or a layman's explanation of what calories are? You know, if you're in the sports industry, you probably understand it, but just for the normal people, when I say normal people, for like the everyday listeners or the everyday, yeah, 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 everyday yeah. people. So I suppose the, easy way to, the easiest way to explain what a calorie is, I suppose, is the amount of energy required to, to burn 
the food that you're eating, if that makes sense. So um, if you eat a, a cereal bar there, it's 100 calories. Um, it'll require 100, cal- like it'll take 100 calories of, of work to, to process that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so cal- calorie balance is probably the largest. It's probably the, it's the most important thing when it comes to, to sport is, is getting enough calories, which means getting enough energy. Um, you don't want to get too much energy that will lead to, to weight gain and you don't want to get too little of energy and, uh, or that will lead to, to weight loss um, unless they're the two specific things that you're, you're looking to do. Um, so that's how we kind of manipulate our calorie intake based on what our goals are. So um, if we're kind of looking to, to maintain weight, then you're looking to, to eat in accordance with your energy output um, and try, and try and match your calorie intake with, with the, the exercise um, type and intensity that you're doing. Um, so, yeah, it's um, very important, I think, for everybody to have a good grasp of, of what calories are. Um, the amount of calories that are in certain foods, particularly the foods that you eat yourself on a regular basis. Um, I think it's definitely important to know um, if you're consuming too much, if you're consuming too little, um, um, or consuming just the right amounts. So, yeah, I think um, something that probably does help with this is a food log for, for a couple of days. Um, uh, it kind of gives people an idea of, of just the amount that they're eating um, on a day-to-day basis, um, which is very worth doing for, for well worth doing for, for a certain period of time, I think. Completely stupid question though, and it, it could be, but well, I'll go with it anyway. Um, can you burn calories, do you know, when you're sitting down at a desk all day or do you need to be up, do you need to be doing, engaging in physical exercise? No, you, I mean, myself and yourself are burning calories right here while we're sitting here on this chat. <laughs> it's a lot um, been burnt, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, no, 100%. We're, we were burning calories when you're asleep. Um, so your body basically needs a certain amount of energy just to stay alive, um, which is known as your basal metabolic rate. Um, so then anything on top of that is, is additional. So walking from here to the shop, um, that'll be called your, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is um, what people are really focusing on now and helping, helping to, to reduce weight. Um, it kind of ties into your, your, your steps. Um, taking your 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 stairs instead of um, the escalator or and, and all those little things, cycling to work instead of driving. Um, it's all just a way of getting getting that uh, activity up. So then you have your your exercise activity thermogenesis then, which is the calories we burn while we're training, while we're exercising, and while we're 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 performing structured uh, planned exercise, I suppose. And then the final way at which we burn calories is the, the thermic effect of food, it's called. So it's basically the calories that are required to digest and, and, and eat the foods that, that we eat. So um, there are the ways, there are all the ways in which we, we, we burn calories and how our, our body uh, depends on the energy, I suppose, that we give it. Would everyone, um, would everyone require the same amount of basic calories um, or would it depend on the person's metabolism is everyone different like what i what i need different amount of calories than you than you obviously you know the level of exercise but our basic met- metabolic rate would we all have the same no no um it's it differs greatly between individuals so um for example i imagine if i was 120 kgs and six foot six and you were um 70 kgs and you were you were five foot seven um mm-hmm. your 
not going to require the same amount of, 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 of calories as I am. Um, we're going to have, I'll have a higher basal metabolic rate, if that makes sense, um, compared to you, just simply because there's more of me there. Um, so, and, and a lot of things, I suppose, influence basal metabolic rate in, in terms of um, how active we are, um, whether you're a smoker or not, um, influences it as well. Um, pregnancy and females influences it. Um, so there's just a lot of things that, that can impact um, our, our, our basal metabolic rate as well. Um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, I suppose it, it differs greatly um, between individuals. And look, we've the majority of people, and probably everyone is, is working from home um, in some shape or form, whether it's um, a new hybrid form of, of working from home and in the office or, you know, predominantly been based at home since last March. Um, one thing I found as well, and I suppose a lot of listeners would have found, is that, you know, if you're working in a city or a built up area, you're obviously traveling to work. So you have that hour before work, you're getting there and you have hour after work. You're, you're coming home, whether it's in the car or a lot of people walking or cycling, like, like you alluded to there, that those two hours now are gone of exercise. And you probably yeah. find people working longer because they're eating into what the, their commuting time would be before. How could you deal with people um, that are finding themselves with, say, working long hours and not getting the exercise they require because we say before they had to exercise to get home do you know what i mean but now they're not absolutely um i don't know am i explaining that right do you do you know what i'm trying no, to i understand i understand 100 uh, percent. i think um i think those two hours that, that people would have commuted to work um should be somewhat available in their days at the moment um <laughs> i know like you mentioned there some people are working even longer hours at the moment um, but I just think it's 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 of huge huge importance to put aside at least an hour um, every day for for some form of activity, be it a walk, a run, a jog, a cycle, or whatever it is. Um, I just don't think that people should really have an excuse um, not to find the time, I suppose, to to get some form of activity in. You know, um, and people are always asking, I suppose, what's the the best kind of exercise to do, and and I, I personally think it's just the one that you'll do, the one that you enjoy the most, unless you have aspirations to to um achieve certain performance outcomes um but if if just general health is your is your aim then just do the exercise that you find the most enjoyable and the one that you're going to do the most consistently i suppose you see this big push now um probably over the last over the, well definitely since lockdown but it maybe it's probably before that as well um you have obviously you have the five k's but then you have the ten thousand steps a day um but i suppose that depends on the amount of food you're eating as well you know if, if you're eating like a pig during the day and you're still getting 10,000 steps you're not going to have the same outcome as you would exactly that's that comes back into our energy balance equation then as well you know um so you can be hitting your 10,000 steps but if you're eating 10,000 calories you're <laughs> it's no good you do you know what I mean um so yeah it's 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 again it's about balancing everything and and um, eating in, in accordance with 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 your lifestyle, I suppose, and, and your goals. Oddly enough, um, I I just speak from my experience, right, and then you might relate to other people. Um, you know, I became aware that I was lactose intolerant 
which is quite funny when you're living in, in rural Ireland, especially in West Kerry, when everything is, is based on milk and yeah, yeah. products. Um, and the, whole lot, yeah. the whole lot, yeah. But so obviously, look, that was a big lifestyle change, but thankfully, you know, I haven't been sick since. Um, but I was in and out the hospital constantly for every three or four months for years. But long story short, um, what alternatives would you recommend to people, you know, like myself or, or those that, you know, have ad- adopted um, a vegan diet, you know, when they're trying to recover after exercise it's quite funny when i'm in gary sometimes getting um you know the lactose three milk and people yeah. look at me like is this fella vegan or what like <laughs> <laughs> yeah the amount it's definitely growing the amount of vegans i think out there definitely 100 percent. but i think it's just important to be aware of of um i suppose the nutrients that you might be missing out on and, and, and how to replace them um um, as a result of eliminating dairy from your diet. So dairy is obviously a great source of, of protein. It's a great source of calcium. Um, so I suppose now it's up to you to, to be getting those, um, mm-hmm. to be getting those from, from, from other sources, you know? Um, so, um, and there's great, I think, alternatives coming out there now um, for, for non-dairy alternatives and for yogurts, cheeses, the whole, yogurt and, and milks and the whole lot. Like there's the oat milks and the almond milks and, and all of them as well. So I think, um, it's getting easier, I think, for anybody with um, who's who has an intolerance um, to to find um, alternatives, I suppose, to 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 the products, I suppose, that they they can't consume anymore. Um, say from our generation, I suppose, you know, we when I say our generation, or someone ancient, but um, you say, oh yeah, from our, our yeah, age yeah. group, you know, our age group, we probably would have been told a few things. Um, when we're growing up that are the, are very important in sport. Do you find, or even we say generation before that, do you find it difficult to say communicating with older people in squads or in team environments? Because, you know, they might be very fixated on some information that they were given, you know, a couple of years ago that probably was secondhand or third hand information. And no Irish people has probably diluted or, or changed some bit. Yeah. Do you find that a bit difficult or, or would you say people are kind of open-minded now regardless in, to nutrition? Um, again, it, it 100% depends. Um, I've definitely come across a lot of people who have been completely set in their ways and I think with, with, with individuals like that, it's small, small wins are, are huge, you know, and you, you just have to make, uh, you might have to keep chipping away and keep chipping away um, and, and keep knocking on the door, but um, sometimes, um, sometimes something might get through, and um, I think it's just about trying to trying to get those small little wins with individuals like that. And I think explaining why, um, and maybe even proving why um, the way that you're trying to the the method you're trying to incorporate, why you're doing it, and um, I think that's very important when when working with any individual is trying to explain to the person as to why why you're um, why they should maybe do this and why, why this is best practice. Um, but I think it'll just lead to um, a greater, greater chance of, of the person um, taking that knowledge on board and, and applying it um, in the future. I was going to say we've a, 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 pen, a coffee pandemic, but we don't, we've a coffee, you know, um, it's, it's after really, you know, increased, definitely in Ireland, I don't know about abroad, but it probably has as well. Do you know, it's very much a fashionable thing now. Um, it's probably substituted a lot of people um, going to the pub, you know, um, alcohol intake. Is there, I know you, there, there's probably a daily recommended uh, dose of coffee. Um, 
but can coffee have a negative effect on you we say too much because you see some people coffee doesn't affect them at all or yeah you know yeah it's definitely um we definitely can build a tolerance i suppose for 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 caffeine and it's even an argument that's in the in the sports performance um uh, area at the moment as to whether we should uh, not consume coffee until the the until game day um, and we really get really see the see the effects um, so that's kind of an ongoing debate there's a little bit of research in favor of that at the moment um, so but most definitely coffee is something that you can over consume um, so it can impact our, our central nervous system so um, I don't know if it's ever happened to you it's happened to me previously anyway when I've consumed too much coffee in the day that I might get a little bit tink or shaky um, yeah half and racing shakes yeah exactly 100% <laughs> um and when it comes to sports as well, increased heart rate um, before going out in the field isn't something that you want. Um, so that can definitely have a, a negative impact um, if you overconsume it. It can have a, a negative impact as well on, on your gut um, as well. So again, that's definitely something that you don't want um, going out before you get to the field or before you're going for a run or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's um, it's one that you have to be you have to be a little bit careful of, um, but certainly has its benefits if, if uh, implemented correctly, most definitely, for, for a lot of people. Um, just one or two points now on this, but, you know, normally you've, um, up until last year, obviously before the coronavirus, you had people running and racing everywhere, whether it's in the car or they're flying places, and usually the thing that suffers is their nutrition. Um, what... You know what? One or two things would you always say people should try to have with them, or that they could get in in um in shops in on their travels, like we say nuts or or um or something like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and it's 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 I think a dilemma that a lot of people find themselves in is is being standing in the middle of the the petrol station there in in, in the shop and and not knowing what to go or what to what what to to go for. Um. So a good old rule of thumb, I think, in a supermarket, anyways, is stick to the stick to the perimeter of the shop. Um, that's where the most uh, whole foods tend to be: your your fruit and veg sections, um, your dairy fridges, stuff like that. So yogurts, great option. Um, even your ready your ready to drink protein shakes now are, are very very handy options as well. Um, you know, Kinetica and Optimum Nutrition have a few products like that, um, which are very very handy um, for people who need a snack. So one of them and a piece of fruit. Uh, nuts and a piece of fruit, yogurts, um, are all are all brilliant snacks. Um, and I think again, that's something that's improving as well. Are the, the kind of healthier alternatives? Um, and it's it's a it's an area that's growing massively. I think the 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 convenient the the convenient um, snacks that are, I suppose, kind of have a a decent amount of protein in them, um, aren't crazy in calorie load. Um, and are just easy and quick to grab for people as well. So, um, yeah, it's 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 just about making the best decision that you can. We can't always make the the one hundred percent correct decision. And I think being prepared is probably um, an even better piece of advice that I could give to people in in, in that scenario. Um, and um, plan in advance if you know you're going to stop there, trying to decide what you're going to get before you get in there, and don't be deciding last minute because we tend to make poor decisions then if we haven't really thought about it in advance. You know. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Because usually the if the power marketing thing kind of comes into play, and you've all the the rubbish exactly. stuff. Yeah, you're in a minefield, and and 
Um, yeah, it's just it can be much much tougher to make the, the right choice. We're getting through now, uh, John. But we're not long left now. But we'll uh, we'll just delve into the the um. I, I had my horse Lannery there on last week and I asked him about the business aspect of it. Do you know, because I do think a lot of people kind of sugarcoat how maybe how easy or uh, how e- maybe how easy, not the right term, but how enjoyable and how easy it is to set up a business. It's quite challenging and you can prepare for so many things, but preparation and practicality are two different things, aren't they? 100%. Um, and I... I'd, I'd say I didn't even do business for my junior cert. I, I left, I didn't even, so like I've not in the slightest a business mind. Um, I, it's just not something that really ever kind of interested me. Um, so it was a steep, steep learning curve for me. Um, a lot of reaching out to people, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, Google searches um, and, and all that as well to try and um to even know where to start or to how to go about it or what needs to be done, registering your name, um, a logo, a website, all this crack. Um, but yeah, it was an enjoyable process, I suppose. And um, yeah, it's something that I learned, like learned loads from, and don't get me wrong, I have loads, loads to learn still when it comes to business. Um, I'd still be uh, a novice in, in that regard, but um yeah, look, it's something that I've enjoyed and it's something that I'm enjoying learning about all the time, really. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of improvements to make still, I think. It's, it's uh, look, shall I always say it myself, you're always learning something new every, yeah. every day. But like, it's uh, it's funny because, you know, if a lot of people there, they, you know, I, I admit, like I went into the business, I was like, right, have social media now, job done, started. Yeah, it's, it's easy, it's as yeah. easy as that. Is that wait wait for the inquiries and the sales come in? Followers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's much much more difficult than that. And like one thing I found as well, um, is I suppose maybe people younger than us and naturally we, we can be as well, you know, guilty of it. That you know you can get so you can get so obsessed, um, and and yeah, kind of focused on the following you have on your social media platforms, and it can, um you know, really affect the actual business side of it in the sales. Do you know what, like, you see some people there, they mightn't have that much following, but they're doing, they're bringing a lot of revenue. So I suppose it's just about, you know, don't focus on one aspect, you know, social media should be used to push your message. You still need to be doing the the business, the sales, the networking. And that's one thing I found. Exactly, yeah, 100%. It's the, it's, the, it's the networking is a lot of people don't um don't use right or don't because I like I it's funny you know you say you, you didn't do business I did business um all the way through and did my uh undergrad in it but there wasn't one thing I read about or came across about the power of networking and I think they are, that is essential in business in especially in your game my game if you can't net- network it's not yeah. going to get off the ground at all yeah, and I think um, I think some people I don't know what it's down to really. Is it is it just I suppose maybe a little, just a little bit of fear or is it an ego thing or something? But some people I think really struggle to to ask for help or advice or um, where where to go with certain things. I think um, and if that's the way you are, I think you're you're kind of in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I know I got help from from loads of people um and not even not even um people in the field of nutrition just general business advice and um just ideas and yeah it's um 
definitely, definitely very, very important uh, aspect of the whole thing is is definitely the network, the networking side of things. And, and it's one of the sides of things that I enjoy the most as well, to be totally honest. I like talking to different people, I suppose, and, and people from different backgrounds and taking bits from here and bits from there, if possible. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the, the better aspects of, of our line of work, I think. Definitely, yeah, oh, definitely, 100%. Um, one thing I want to throw at you there is if you start delving into the midst in a minute, so I know that's something you have a uh, passion about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, again, yeah the, that's the social media. The, the social media part of it, yeah, it's just uh, one thing is a big, you know, it's a big phase here now in Ireland. You see every everyone asking, look, I don't want to be knocking it because some big, you know, I don't know about it, but uh, the CBD, um, that seems to be a big phase now in Ireland for recovery. Um, is there research behind it, or what's the what's the general feel? There is, yeah. Research research is promising. Um, definitely um, more research needed. All the same, but um, it's 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 promising that uh, it might be useful for for athletes in in, in recovery. The the trouble is that um, so you have. You have the THC and you have the CBD um, when it comes to the, the cannabinoids, and it can be very hard to separate one from the other, which means the THC is obviously banned in sports, um, in, in, in elite sports. Um, so it can, be, it can be really hard to, to take CBD without traces of THC in it, which would in turn mean that you would, you would fail a drugs test. So um, that's just one, one aspect of, of CBD. So... Um, that if, if you are going taking CBD, just make sure you run it by um, somebody, um, a sports nutritionist, um, and make sure it's from a trusted brand as well. But um, no, definitely, it's it's. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where the research and that goes. But anecdotally, you hear plenty of reports of of people who use it and who who love it. So yeah, we we'll just have to to see where it goes. But it's not something that I'll be personally recommending just yet. Yeah, you can't beat the old dip into the RSC like that's the, the, the yeah, best thing. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, just the yeah, the thing about the drug test, like because you see a lot of people there, they're I'm gonna say sorry, when I say a lot of people, you um you see it sometimes in, in the media um that people might tri- fail drug tests and stuff like that. But CBD it must be extremely difficult, you know. I suppose you really need to be getting it from uh um, recognize, recognizable brands because you know you could be taking it think it's for your recovery um more like a vitamin helping your recovery and helping your body but in fact effectively it could be you could f- fail a drug test over it like and has that happened yet or have you come across scenarios like that in, in your research hasn't happened me personally thanks be to god uh but it's it's something that definitely does happen um and cross contamination definitely does happen. So when it comes to when it comes to elite sport, there's a company called Inform Sport, um, and they batch test products. Um, so you get a batch ID. So um, if if they can give you the peace of mind, I suppose that they've batch tested the products that they don't contain any contaminant contaminants, um, and it gives you the peace of mind, I suppose going forward, you're taking a supplement that's that's not banned, um, not illegal. So um, very important to go through this route, uh, especially as an elite athlete. Um, not so important as as a as a, a we'll say a club player or a non-elite athlete um, who aren't exposed to, to drug tests. But anybody who's exposed to drug tests, um, 
just make sure that the, the supplement is um, as the Inform Sport logo and has been batch tested and um, yeah, you're, you're pretty much covered then. That's a good point actually. Yeah. No, I was going to, I was just wondering how you, yeah, how you differentiate between good and you would say the allowed stuff in elite sport and, and the stuff that everyone else can, can take if they're not yeah. getting tested. Um, the other thing is, and I can see how uh, it would really, it really affects people who are overweight um, and who want to lose weight. The fat burning drinks, is there any scientific evidence behind that? Have you come across? No, I wouldn't. They're not something I'd recommend uh, whatsoever. Um, a lot of them just kind of dehydrate you. That's kind of how they work. Um, and that's how you would see uh, weight loss on the scales, you know. Um, but no, they're, they're definitely not something that I'd, I'd be recommending um, for people. There's, there's um, again, I think it's people looking for those quick fixes, I suppose. And I suppose um, they're a product that are used to kind of prey on vulnerable people a little bit who are very, very keen to lose weight, who find it difficult to do so. And they're willing to, they see, they see fat burning written on the front of a bottle and they get excited. They think it's an easy, quick fix. And yeah, they're willing to kind of part their hard earned cash to, to, in, in, uh, an attempt to kind of get an easier way out than, than their exercise and cleaning up their diet a little bit, I think, which would be far more beneficial to them going forward. So yeah, look, it's it's definitely not something that I'd recommend. I suppose look, it's it's only a matter of time, I say, before um some of the products that you know these social media figures are pushing that don't have any knowledge in in um you know in fitness or in nutrition that those big companies are probably going to be taking the court because you know there's probably no f- evidence behind some of the products. Um, because like you know, like I've no knowledge whatsoever in nutrition, but when you're looking at stuff online, they look appealing. You think, oh yeah, if that person is pushing it, oh well, then they must be legit. Yeah, well, I think that's what they're. That's what these companies are just very, very good at doing. Um, they know what people want, and um, they know what people are keen to do, I suppose. And I don't know if you heard that one about um, I don't know. He's also does a podcast, you know, blind by. Oh, yeah. who was in the, the he did one day over from the BBC. He um he set up this thing where he interviewed three um influencers to to promote a product called Cyanora. Um and there was cyanide in it, which is actually a form of poison. And all three of these all three of these influencers, and I think they had like a combined following of, of a couple of million people like um and all three of these people were willing to promote this product even though there was poison inside it um so i think it just goes to show that a lot of these people who are pushing some of these products and stuff um genuinely have no idea what the product is they don't know what the product does they're not too concerned about that at all and um it's just about trying to make a few bob i think for themselves and um they don't really care um if the product works doesn't work what's in it what isn't in it and um Two of them, I think, admitted to never even trying it. Um, so, yeah, they were kind of... Um, I thought I'd get more exposure, to be honest, but it didn't really. But, yeah, it's just it's a good... It just goes to show, I think, what the power of social media and the dangers, I suppose, of social media as well, you know? Yeah, they, they cover up what they want as well. The fact that they didn't get a lot of exposure, you know, that's the, yeah. the flip side of it. Um, yeah. The... Um, the... the you can't, the concept of gluten-free diets is healthier, um, is it, if you don't have an intolerance to it? 
No, unless you're celiac, then no, absolutely not. There's no problem with gluten, unless it gives you issues um, like anything else. Um, two litres of water a day, should you be having, should everyone be having that or would it depend on the, the metabolism of that individual? Uh, again, it kind of goes back to, to what we were talking about, basal metabolism there, really. It's, um, it kind of depends on, on the individual. So a good kind of, Base, base point is kind of 35 millilitres per kilogram of, of body weight. Um, so that can be, that's kind of a good base, a good kind of starting point. And then if you're exercising on top of that and you've um, loss of, of, of sweat, um, you'll, you'll, need to, you'll need even more water on top of that um, baseline number, I suppose, to replace those fluids that you've lost through exercise. So 35 mils per, per kg of body weight is a good, um, a good base point, I think. Uh... Two things, no, uh, breakfast is supposed to be, you know, you, you hear it's the most invo- most important meal of the day, it's vital, but then some people don't have it at all. What's the what's your feeling around that? It depends. So um, I'd approach this differently between general population and, and, and players or athletes that I'd work with, like because um, breakfast is definitely something that I'd be pushing for, for uh, athletes, but if it's a general, someone from the general population who's looking to lose weight um, and they don't like eating breakfast, um, it's, it's not such an issue. Um, I just be more conscious. I just tell them to be a little bit conscious of being hungrier later in the day if they were after skipping breakfast. Um, but it's definitely something that I would push for athletes just because um, it's an opportunity for a main meal. It's an opportunity to get plenty of nutrients on, on board. Um, and again, it, it there's been some research to suggest that uh, skipping breakfast can can uh, hinder performance later in the day as well. So um, it's, we'll say, for example, your protein targets, it's very hard to hit your protein targets, your carbohydrate targets if you're missing a full meal um, in, in the morning. So um, it's just something I encourage a little bit more for athletes, but not so much so for, for general population. Um, but again, it's something that I treat very individually with, with every client, really. Perfect, perfect. Look, there's, there's a, you touched on a lot of the questions that came in, but <laughs> two, two of them came in there, and uh, I'll, I'll throw them to you. Um, probably figure out who this is from. Anna. Does David Dunyi do his own washing? <laughs> I was waiting for two of these. Uh, he does very recently, very recently, started doing his own washing, but I, I can't lie there. No, he does in fairness to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is more, <laughs> which is more nutritious, a carrot or a parsnip? <laughs> My God, carrot. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Look, um, John, I'll wrap up there. We went well over over the time, but I think we we covered a huge amount. Look, for myself, um, I'd like to, to thank you for taking the time out and coming on Inside View podcast. Um, and look, best look with everything that's going forward. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and, and the same goes for yourself. Um, fair play. It's great to see things going well for you and uh, thanks for having me on and, and best luck with everything in the future. I hope you all enjoyed the interview, John. I think it's very, very interesting. I think there's something there for everyone to to take. So look again, thanks very much, John, for coming on Inside View Podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, again, look best luck with everything going forward. 
that is all from us on this week's podcast please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute in any way possible um, you'll be able to email us info on the ball teambuilding.com or you'll be able to contact us on our social media channels so it's on Instagram it's at underscore on the ball team building over on Facebook it's on the ball team building over on Twitter it's at we're on the ball 2 that's digit 2 we're also on LinkedIn on the ball team building we're also on TikTok um, it's on the ball team building on, on TikTok too so look, that's all from us have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred unit fin talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening